Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, in the past uh, two Sundays, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And we, with a topic we call, give thanks for his blessings. The Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And today, we want to continue uh, looking at uh, uh, verse 4 of that passage. But the topic we are going to look at today is, thank God for your election. Thank God for what? For your election. Or maybe we should put it down there and say, uh, maybe we should make it a, a statement of, of, I mean, a definite statement. And say, I thank God. Tell somebody, say, I thank God for my election. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so I'm going to be looking at about five, five facts, if I may call it that way, about election, and then we'll go to seven benefits. Of the election. So we start with the first, I mean, five facts. And the first fact about election is that the Bible says we were elected before the foundation of the world. Elected, called, chosen by God. It's a privilege, brethren, to be the children of God. It's a privilege that we must cherish, that we must treat the way God treats it. The Bible says God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son for us. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. Tell somebody he chose me. Before the foundation of the world, that's what the Bible says. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. The Bible says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit. Unto obedience and strengthening of the blood of Jesus. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Well, that's a very loaded passage. And we cannot go into everything that is highlighted in there. But suffice it to say that you and I were elected before the foundation of the world. That's the first part about election. The second point is you were elected to be holy. Elected to be what? Somebody is not listening to me. Elected to be holy. Elected to be holy. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 4. Colossians 3, 12 to 4. The Bible says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Very important. If you are elected by God, and every child of God is an elect of God, then you must be holy. You must be holy. We all know Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore what? Perfect. Even as your father which is in heaven is what? Is perfect. Holiness, there's no controversy. 
The Bible says, as I mean, you be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because you were not redeemed with perishable things, but with the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that Colossians chapter 3, going back to that place, he said, Holy and beloved, put on what? Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You were elected to be holy. And you will agree with me, brethren, when we're talking about being holy. Can you say you are holy when there's no, you, you, don't, you do not show mercy, there's no mercy in you? Can you say you are holy when kindness is alien unto you? Can you say you are holy when humility is not part of your makeup? Can you say you are holy when meekness and long-suffering, bearing things unto fruition, is not part of you? You are elected to be holy. Number three, election is of grace. Election is what? It's of grace. The Bible says by grace you are saved through faith. That's very important. In Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Romans 11, 5 to 6. The Bible says, even though so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. According to what? The election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Election, brethren, is by grace. And we see a very good example in the scriptures. In fact, in the Old Testament, not even the New Testament. And that is Brother Jacob. Brother Jacob. I'll, I've, I've said it quite a number of times here, that the God of Jacob is a God of what? Grace. The God of Jacob is a God of grace. In the election of Jacob, brethren, is an election of grace. In Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, from verse 11 to verse 13. Romans 9, 11 to 13. The Bible says, For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to what? Election, my stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. So it's not because you have done anything. But it's because God has just made up his mind that ah, I delight in this, my son. I delight in this, my daughter. In verse 12, it says, It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. And of course, we know who the elder was. That was Esau. Right? As it is written in verse 13, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Brethren, before Esau was born, before Esau did anything, the election of God was apparent in the life of Jacob. Election is by grace, or election is of grace. That's why you need to give thanks to God for your election. Because, brethren, many are called, but few are chosen. When Rachel, I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? It's not Rebecca, I mean, not Rachel. When Rebecca, uh, was pregnant in Genesis 25. Genesis 25. 
Well, we take it from verse 21 to verse 26. Rebecca was barren. Isaac entreated the Lord for her. The Lord answered her. The Bible says the children struggled together within her. I guess they were struggling. I said, God has said the, the, the younger shall serve the, the older. So we have to find out who is going to be the older, who is going to be, young, be the younger. They struggled within her. And she went to inquire of the Lord. Right then, when the children were still in her womb, the Lord spoke to her and said, Two nations are in your womb, in verse 23. Two manner of people shall be separated from their bowels. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall do what? Shall serve the younger. And when our days to be delivered were fulfilled, there were twins in our wombs. The first came out. Red was, I mean, like an hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. Election is of grace. And I think that one of the best examples in the scripture is the one we have just looked at. Now, the fourth point to take note of here is grace operates with mercy. Grace does what? Operates with mercy. Grace operates with mercy. Paul talking to the, I mean, speaking with the Romans church in, in Romans chapter 9, verses 14 to 18. Romans 9, 14 to 18. He said, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God will have mercy on you in Jesus' name. God will have compassion on you in Jesus' name. Beginning from tomorrow, we go to the next phase in our prayer and fasting. When we begin to pray for the next 21 days, for what? For mercy. For mercy. Thank God for your election. Grace of praise with mercy. Verse 16 of that Romans chapter 9 says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that sheweth mercy. For the scripture said unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I may show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And whom he wills, he hardeneth. Grace operates with mercy. And that will take us to the next uh, item in our, in, our, in our lesson this morning, which is some promises that the scriptures, I mean, that God made to the elect in the scriptures. Promises that are yours, promises that are mine, promises that give us reasons why we should thank God for the elect. Thank God that we are elected. That God has chosen us. That God has called us. That God has set us apart for himself. The first thing we need to take note of is, the Bible makes us understand, that the prayerful elect shall be avenged by God himself. What did I just say? The prayerful elect shall be avenged by God himself. So it's not enough to say, well, I am, I am, I am elected of God. I am an elect of God. And that gives you that uh, certificate to go and sleep and do nothing. The prayerful elect. When you look at Luke chapter 18, from verse 1, the Bible says, men ought, he told them this parable, that men ought always to do what? To pray. And not to faint. It's very important. Men not always to pray and not to faint. And then he told them a story. 
that poor woman that came before the judge and said, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. And the Bible says, because of her importunity, the judge answered her. And Jesus said, if that judge, who is human, could do that, how much more your heavenly father? Then we go to verses 7 to 8 of Luke chapter 18. We are saying the prayerful elect shall be avenged by God himself. Verses 7 to 8. He says, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried their night unto him, though he be along with them? If you are, an, if you are one of the elect of God, you must ensure that your prayer life is one that touches the throne of grace on a consistent basis. In verse 8, he says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. God will avenge for you speedily. I said, God will avenge for you speedily. Then Jesus made a statement. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And brethren, if you look at modern Christianity, you will now understand why Jesus made that statement. Because these days, we find so many ways to dilute the word of God. We find so many ways to do things our own way and not God's own way. We say one of the, the first benefits is that the prayerful elect shall be avenged by God himself. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Romans 12, 19, Romans 12, 19, Paul said, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath. In other words, that's why the Bible says, be angry, but do what? But sin not. Give place unto wrath, but avenge not yourself. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. Brethren, there is no way you can fight for yourself that can be as good as when God fights for you. No way. If you will allow God to fight for you, at the end of the day, if you happen to know who your enemies are, you'll be the one praying for them that God, ah, this person's suffering is too much. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Says the Lord. That's very important. When you go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. The Bible says, the saints and the elect were crying for vengeance. They were crying for vengeance. Revelation 6, verses 9 to 10. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This was a cry of the saints. This was a hard cry of the elect. And when you go to Revelation 19, verses 1 and 2, you see where God actually avenged for them. The Bible makes us understand that their cry was not in vain. I want to tell someone who is listening to me this morning, your cry is not in vain. I say your cry is not in vain. Remember what the Bible says? Weeping may endure for how long? For the night. But joy comes in the morning. I pray for everyone who is grappling with any form of uh, mental, mental issue on, a, on account of this lockdown. The Lord will set you free in Jesus' name. 
Anyone that is grappling with depression on account of this lockdown, it's like it's as if you are surrounded by a wall, a thick wall of darkness. The Lord will set you free today in Jesus' name. That wall of darkness will disappear today in the name of Jesus. Revelation 19, verses 1 and 2. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, honor, and power unto the Lord our God. Verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he had judged the great war, which did corrupt the earth with our fornication, and had avenged the blood of his servants at our hand. You see? At the beginning in chapter 6, they were crying unto God, saying, When will you avenge for us? But here, towards the end of the book of Revelation, we see a declaration. God has come true. He has avenged the blood of his servants at the hand of Babylon the whole. And brethren, Babylon is a system. That is a system that governs the world today. And if you look at the way this COVID-19 is being managed, it's being managed so that by the time this is over, it's very easy for government to dictate what happens to anybody. Everything that is needed for the government of the Antichrist is being put in place. It's been put in place. And that's why the second benefit of the election is very important. The second benefit is the elect have a home in heaven. The elect have a home where? In heaven. The elect have a home in heaven. The elect have a home in heaven. In Mark chapter 13, Mark 13 verses 26 to 27. Mark 13 26 to 27. It says, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Verse 27. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. The elect have a home in heaven. We talk of the rapture. People make jest of it. People say, okay, you've been talking about rapture since for how many years? For a thousand years, it has not happened. Well, definitely we know that within that thousand years, there's nobody that was alive a thousand years ago who is still alive today. A thousand years is too far off. I'm very sure that there's no human being on this earth who is 200 years old today. The times we live in, some could be over 100 years, but none up to 200 years. So there is a time of gathering. There is a time of gathering to a heavenly home. And Jesus is the way to this home. We all know John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. He said, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, verse 1. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. He's going to the Father. He's preparing a place for us. And the way to the Father, brethren, is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Heaven is the home prepared for the elect. And we'll all make it gloriously in Jesus' name. The Bible makes us understand in 2 Peter chapter 1, 
Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 10, that we must give due diligence to ensure we make it to heaven. We must give what? Due diligence. You don't go to heaven uh, by being lackadaisical, or, and, and, I mean, by not caring about, it. okay, I've given my life to Christ, I can do whatever I want. No. First, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It says, wherefore the rather, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Your calling, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. You will not fall in Jesus' name. I said you will not fall in Jesus' name. He said, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Due diligence. But what are those things that Peter was talking about? Those things are listed in verses 5 to 8. That same second Peter 1. He said, besides this, giving all diligence. Giving what? All diligence. All diligence. Diligence in life. Diligence in ministry. Diligence in your academics. Diligence in whatever. The Bible says, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it how? All of your might. That is diligence. And so the Bible says, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge is never exhausted. You never know too much. You can always increase in knowledge. You can always know more. Many of us will agree with me. In our place of work, if we sit down the knowledge of 10 years ago, there's no continuous improvement, there's no self-improvement, you are going to be on one place, on one spot. Even a fresh graduate will come and overtake you because the fresh graduate is coming in with what? Fresh knowledge. The knowledge of the days. Technology changes so fast. We need to keep our breast, I mean, ourselves abreast of knowledge. It's very important. It's very important. Add to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge. When we were in, a primary, in elementary school, many of our schools, the motto was, knowledge is what? Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And it's very important. We need to go all out. The knowledge of the word of God. Knowledge in our respective uh, domains. Everybody, the world was put on a standstill. They were all waiting for COVID-19 vaccine. Do you know the technology for making the vaccines today is not the same as what was used for it 10 years ago, 20 years ago? It's a completely new technology. So instead of doing a research for two years, three years, before they get a vaccine, within a year, the vaccines were ready. That is knowledge. That is knowledge. The Bible says we must add to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, what? Love. If this be in you and abound, they make sure that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All is, I mean, is to ensure that you are knowledgeable and you are fruitful in the things of God. 
you cannot afford to stand as you are. Today is the last day of the month of January. One month is gone. How much progress have you made spiritually this year thus far? The first month is gone. Are you still where you were last in December? Or maybe where you were last year, January? We must improve on a daily basis. If you want to make heaven, due diligence is required. Due diligence. Proverbs 22, 29, we know it very well. Proverbs 22, 29. Proverbs 22, 29. It says, thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before me, men. So we pray. But then we apply diligence to whatever we are doing. We acquire knowledge that will enhance our lifting. And then, the prayer we pray will not be uh, 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 like the rocket fuel that will propel us to the place God has prepared for us. You will attain divine purpose in Jesus' name. I say you will attain divine purpose in Jesus' name. The third uh, benefit of the election is that the elect will be kept and protected by God. Very important. Especially in times like this. The elect will be kept and protected by God. And in fact, when you look at Mark chapter 13, verse 30, Mark 13, verse 30, God's protection on the elect is so much that the Bible says God will shorten the final days just to ensure that the elect do not go astray. Mark 13, 20. Mark 13, 20. Mark 13, 20. He said, and except the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But you see, because of the elect, that's what that is me. Because of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. No wonder the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you. But such as is what? Is common unto man. He said, God is able and will with the temptation do what? Make a way of escape. Because of your election, He's shortening the days to ensure that whatever you pass through is within the limit of what you can accommodate. The elect will be kept and protected by God. That's very important. In Psalm 125, Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3, Psalm 125, verses 1 to 3, the Bible tells us of a special type of protection. Meant for you and I as the elect of God. He said, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abided forever. As the mountains are run about Jerusalem, so the Lord is run about his people from henceforth, even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. Let the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. God is sensitive. God will do everything possible to ensure that the righteous does not go into transgression. The righteous does not put forth his hand into iniquity. Number four. I see there are seven benefits. Number four. The Lord delights in the elect. That's very important. The Lord does what? He delights in the elect. He delights in the elect. Isaiah 42 Isaiah 42, verses 1 and 2. He says, Behold my servant, 
whom I uphold, mine elect in whom I so delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. The Lord delights in the elect. I pray for someone listening to me this moment. God will delight in you. I say God will delight in you. We all know Isaiah 62 from verse 1 to verse 4. Especially verse 4 is the one we always emphasize. Isaiah 62 verse 1 to 4. Exactly verse 4. Verse 4. Or maybe I'm going to read that. Let, let's start from verse 1. Let, it, it, it's good. For Zion's sake will I, not, will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake will I not rest. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. I want to speak to somebody's life this, this, this morning. You will fly in Jesus' name. I said you will fly in Jesus' name. God is saying I will not hold my peace. There is a glory that is ascribed to you. There is a glory that is in you. That glory must shine forth. Your glory will shine forth in Jesus' name. Look at verse 2. It says, And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And that name is the elect. You are an elect of God. A special name that is meant for you. Because your righteousness will shine. Your glory will shine. People that don't want to see cannot help but see. That's what the Bible is saying. Remember the Bible tells us that when we get to heaven, there will be no sun. There will be no star. But the light in heaven is what? Is the glory of God. When that glory begins to radiate forth in you, men cannot but see what God is doing. You will manifest that divine glory in Jesus' name. Let's go to verse 3, verse 3, verse 3. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And now we can go to verse 4. Thou shalt no more be turned forsaken. Somebody is not saying amen to that. I said, thou shalt no more be turned forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be turned desolate. But thou shalt be called Hebzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighted in thee, and thy land shall be married. See, God delights in the elect. And there are wonderful promises in this passage. And those promises are meant for you. Tell somebody those promises. They are meant for me. You will enjoy them in Jesus' name. Number five, the elect shall enjoy the work of their hands. Very important. You know, I've always shared that uh, story with us of uh, one of my uh, brothers. When I say brother, I mean in the extended family. Who went to his dad? And his dad said, oh, you are welcome. You've been a very good son. The way you are taking care of me, your children will take care of you. And he started crying. Why was he crying? He said his father was cursing him. Uh, I said the way you've taken care of me, your children will take care of you. I said his father was cursing him. He went and brought elders to come and pray with his dad. The elect brethren shall enjoy the work of their hands. And they will enjoy answered prayers. You must have to make sure that the work of your hands is worthy of commendation. That God can look at the work and say, ah, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my elect. Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 from verse 22 to 24. Isaiah 65 verses 22 to 24. 
The Bible says, they shall not build and another inhabit. I thought somebody would say amen to that. The Bible says, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Tell somebody, I will enjoy the work of my hands in Jesus' name. Remember that story somebody shared with us of a man. He married his wife. The woman gave birth to three children. And for whatever reason, he sent her packing. Or rather, he abandoned them. He abandoned them. He went away. That woman single-handedly trained those children. And to the point that the, the woman was still there in Nigeria. But the children came outside the country. They school, they succeeded. And then one day they decided that our mommy has tried. She's taking care of us. She deserves a car. And they bought a car for their mother. But as they were going to present the car to their mother, they got the bad news. What was the bad news? The mother died. She did all the work. She never benefited from it. Who inherited that car? The man that abandoned them. He now came back before the mother died. He's their father. So what did they do? He was the one they now gave that car to. Ah, the prayers in this passage are very important. I pray for you. You will not build and another inhabit. You will not plant and another will eat. He said, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Look at verse 23. Let's go to verse 23. I'm praying in somebody's life. You will not labor in vain. I said, you will not labor in vain. You will not bring forth for trouble. Because you are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. And it's not only you, but even your offsprings with you. That is the word of God. That's the word of God. Look at verse 24. It shall come to pass. It says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Tell somebody rejoice. Because we are still fasting. We finished 21 days today. We have 42 days left. 21, 21. God is saying, before you call, I will do what? I will answer. Isn't that what rejoicing? Isn't that what celebrating? He said, while you are yet speaking, I will hear. There's a solution for you. There's a word for you. There's a grace for you. The Lord will fight for you and lift you up in Jesus' name. Number six, the elect shall inherit the mountain of the Lord. The sixth benefit. The elect shall do what? Inherit the mountain of the Lord. When you go to Isaiah 65 verse 9. Isaiah, he said, I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains, and mine elect shall do what? Shall inherit it, and my servant shall dwell there. The mountain of the Lord, brethren, is a mountain of holiness. A mountain of what? You see, there is no way we can preach this, the message of this gospel. We can preach the promise of God. We can preach what God will do and set apart holiness. Holiness unto Jesus. Holiness unto God. Psalm 48. Psalm 48. We know that passage very well. It's a song we normally sing. 
Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Verse 2. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The mountain of the Lord, brethren, is a mountain of holiness. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. Isaiah 11, verse 9. The Bible says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And there's a promise there for the house of God. And I know that that promise is for us in Christ's chapel. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. Isaiah chapter 2. It says, I shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall do what? Shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the Lord, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God is establishing a holy mountain here, a mountain to which the nations shall flock. And it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. I said it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Finally, brethren, the final benefit, the elect of the Lord are his. They are the Lord. They belong to the Lord. They belong to him. And when the Lord says that, he's saying, whatever I have promised, whatever I have spoken, it shall come to pass. Tell somebody it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass in Jesus' name. In Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 45, verses 4 and 5. He says, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gather thee, though thou hast not known me. Because you are elect of God, it's even when you did not know him. He upheld you. He began to prepare you. Because he's, he has a purpose. He has a place to which he's taking you. The promise that was made to Cyrus can be your promise today. In Isaiah, that's in Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 3. We're going to read that and then we'll, we'll round up. That's in Isaiah 45, verses 1 to 3. He says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holding, to subdue nations before him. God will subdue nations before you. I said, God will subdue nations before you. And I will lose the loins of kings to open before him, before him the two-lived gates. And the gate shall not be shut. I will go before thee. God will go before you. And make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass. And cut in sunder the bars of iron. No wonder the Bible says in Psalm 107. He said, oh, that man will do what? Will praise the Lord for his goodness. For his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has done what? He has broken the gates of brass. He has cut the bars of iron in sunders. In this Isaiah 45 verse 2, he said, I will do it. But in Psalm 107, he said, 
praise God because what? He has done it. And I'm telling someone here today, someone who is listening to me online, God has done it. The gate of brass are broken. The bars of iron are shattered. Look at verse 3. He said, I will go before thee. I will make, verse 3, okay, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of the secret places that thou may know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. The God of Israel will show forth for you. The God of Israel will show forth for you. The God of Israel will show forth for you. Give thanks for your election in Christ Jesus. Let's begin to give him thanks. I give you